It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Hello, believers. Welcome to another episode of Believing Bigger. I am definitely not one that's usually in the quote unquote Christmas spirit. However, I'm trying to channel positive energy this year. (laughs) So welcome to another episode of Believing Bigger. I'm Dr. Shantae, and this is Believing Bigger, the podcast that equips entrepreneurs and influencers with the tools, the confidence, and most importantly, the faith to believe bigger in their dreams. So today I am actually excited about this second part of our 12 Ways to Grow Your Faith in 2017 podcast, because It includes one of my favorite stories in the Bible of all time. So last week we talked about four ways to grow your faith. And if you have not heard that episode, I encourage you to take a step back, go back and listen to it so that you can have some continuity and some context about where we're going for this week and for next week. But this week we are starting with number five. So if you've been following this campaign on social media, then you already know what these are. However, If you haven't and you need to catch up, go ahead and follow me at Dr. Shantae Says on Twitter, on Instagram, and certainly on my Facebook page. So number five, about 12 ways to grow your faith in 2017 says this, give just to give. Giving with expectation is a setup for disappointment. Don't give with ulterior motives. Give with pure intentions and it will be given back to you. The reason why I say this is because... When you're brand building, something that is very important for you to do is also to be relationship building. But you should be building authentic relationships. So many times I have seen, and I'm sure that several of you have seen, people that will go to a certain event or work with a certain brand, but really don't have any genuine intentions or genuine motives outside of how they can personally benefit. And that's not authentic. That is not a relationship built on mutual respect and reciprocity. It's one where people are trying to get over or get in or get some publicity. Oftentimes somebody will send me a friend request or an invitation to connect. And as soon as I hit the accept button, then somebody is in my inbox saying, Hey, can I be on your show? Or, Hey, I wrote this new book or, Hey, can I pitch this? Or, Hey, can I pitch that? And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't even know you. Like I just accepted your invitation. So can we please uh, court before we head down to the altar of commitment? And I know I'm not the only one to have experienced that. So don't give with expectations. If you're going to give, give, just give. If you're going to give, give out of the kindness of your heart or give because you see a need or give because you want to sow a seed into someone else. But don't give as an ulterior motive or a tactic for networking or trying to leverage or trying to get your foot in the door because those things almost always tend to blow up in your face and you don't want to get a reputation in your brand or in your business as a user. And so my scripture reference to back that up, actually I have two. One comes from Matthew chapter 6, Three and four, which says this. So when you give to the needy, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be praised by men. Truly, I tell you, they already have their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In that context, Jesus is saying that a lot of times when you see this, especially on social media, People check their phones all the time. Facebook, people check their feed an average of 16 times a day. Instagram is right behind it with an average of 13, 14 times per day. And so because we're always constantly seeing things on social media, you will see people all of the time that will be volunteering or giving something or donating. 
and they're making a big to do about it. The Bible says, don't do that. If you're going to give, give. You don't have to sound the trumpets and stand on the platform box and say, hey, look at what I'm doing. Look at how much I'm giving. Look how much I'm raising for these people. Take a picture, like my picture, engage in the comments. That is not giving with the proper motives. And the Bible says that when you give with that sort of attitude, you already have your reward. So the likes that you get on your picture or the comments like, oh, you're such a kind soul or you go girl, or I just love you. You're my hero or whatever verbal praise that you get from that. That is your reward. That is the extent of it. God says, I really don't have anything to do beyond that. If that's what you wanted to get out of it, then congratulations, you got it. But it says, if you're going to do something, don't let the the right hand know what the left hand is doing, meaning do it to the point where it's not about recognition, but it's really about seeing a need and wanting to give to someone who has a need. The second scripture is this, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, which says this, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, or they say the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Consider this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So there's two things here that are very key that I want you to to hone in on regarding this aspect of giving, because we are in the holiday season. And in the season of giving, people don't always give with the proper intention. And so the first thing that Paul is saying here is that he says, Number one, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly, meaning if you invest a little bit, you're going to reap a little bit. A lot of times we live in this day and age where people want to get something for nothing. But Napoleon Hill raised the question, how much are you willing to pay in exchange for what you want? What are you willing to give in exchange for what you want? And it may not necessarily be money, but how much of your time are you willing to give for what you want? Tony Robbins says this, life will pay whatever price you ask of it, but you're not going to get something for nothing. And so if you sow sparingly, if you invest sparingly, if you're trying to nickel and dime and penny and pinch your way to the top, good luck with that. You're going to reap sparingly. However, it says whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So if you believe in the notion of reciprocity, some people call it karma. Some people call it sowing and reaping. If you believe in that, then know that the more that you give, the more is going to be given to you. And if you're stingy with your time, stingy with your services, stingy with your resources, expect to reap that in your business. The second thing that he says here is that you must each decide in your heart how much to give, but don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So this is a perfect example of how you can do the right thing with the wrong motives or the wrong intention. Should you give? Yes, you absolutely should give. But should you give with an attitude? No, God says, keep your money keep your time, keep your treasures or your talent or whatever it is. If you're going to do something for me with an attitude, then you can just keep it. And think about how we feel when somebody does that to us. We ask somebody, hey, can you look at my resume? Or hey, would you watch the kids? Or hey, can you take my car to get an oil change? And people are like, you can find nobody else. Or what's so-and-so doing? I guess. I mean, whatever. Mm. See, when somebody treats you like that, you almost regret that you asked. Nine times out of 10, we do regret that we asked. And so don't give 
out of necessity or out of pressure, just give out of a spirit of giving. And that in and of itself has its own reward. Those are the types of things that God will bless. Just because you do the action doesn't mean that it's going to be blessed because your motives and your attitudes behind it were suspect. Number six, stop feeding demons. Now we're coming to one of my favorite Bible stories of all time. So number six, stop feeding demons. And it says this, protect your ear gate and stop being on the receiving end of gossip, backbiting and shade throwing. You will only reap the fruit of what you sow. And so this is an example of being guilty by association. And a lot of times just because someone is popular doesn't necessarily mean that they are a nice person. And so you have to be careful who you surround yourself with or who you show up in pictures with on social media, because you don't want to be associated with people who are messy. And I tell people all the time, I would rather block a person than block a blessing. So here's a story that I want to share with you from this. And I can't read the whole thing, but I encourage you to read Daniel chapter six. It's about Daniel and the lion's den. And everybody kind of says, oh, well, I know that story. But here's some key things that I want you to hone in on. So I'm going to jump from the like maybe the third verse to maybe about the eighth verse or so. And then I'm going to jump down to the 19th verse. And it says this. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps and satraps are like governors or political leaders by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Verse five. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And so if you are familiar with the story after this, pretty much this group of haters got together and convinced the king to write a law saying that they could not pray to any other God except for the God of that town. After he issued the decree, Daniel did not compromise. He continued to pray to God as he always did. And so once they saw him praying as he had always done, they ran to the king and they said, look, Daniel just violated this law you wrote. Now you have to punish him. And the king was distraught. He was so hurt. He knew that he had got hustled. He knew he had gotten swindled. He knew he had been hoodwinked and bamboozled because he loved Daniel. Daniel was about to be his right hand man, but he also knew that once he issued a decree, he could not go back on it. And so as the story goes, Daniel got thrown into the lion's den. God shut the mouth of the lions. So jumping down to verse 19, it says this at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. But here is the key, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 24, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den 
along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Be careful who you associate with. Be careful who you gang up on. Be careful when you are basically messing with God's folks. When you are calling yourself a believer, even though somebody is popular, it doesn't mean that their agenda or their platform is in alignment with what God has for you. And you don't want to be associated with messy people. In this situation, these people had ganged up on Daniel. And in the end, not only were they sentenced to the lion's den, but the Bible says their wives and their children. And you might be thinking, dang, that's bogus. They ain't even do nothing. But guilty by association. That is the textbook definition of being guilty by association. So be careful who you laugh with, who you joke with, who you hang around and what you listen to and being on the receiving end of backbiting and gossip. Because even though these wives may not have had anything to do with it, but you know, husbands and wives talk. How many times did that husband go home complaining about Daniel? He think he all let the and listening to all of that you know she heard it she knew about it and I'm sure the kids probably heard something about it too guilty by association so just be very careful that you don't find yourself on the receiving end of gossip and backbiting and ganging up on somebody because the bible says they threw them in the lion's den and before they even hit the bottom that's the kicker before their bodies hit the bottom the lions had jumped up and demolished them had crushed all of their bones the haters the wives and the kids so let that be a lesson stop feeding demons if you have to distance yourself from some people in 2017 do it better to block a person than it is to block a blessing number seven don't quit. We all have our crosses to bear, but there is victory at the cross. Don't give up when the burden gets heavy. Give it to God and let him handle it. I know that this is not what believers want to hear, but there's a cross for all of us. There is a cross for Jesus and we're not exempt from that. The Bible says that if we share in his suffering, we will also share in his victory. But if you look at Ecclesiastes 9:10, I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it says this, the race is not given to the swift nor to the strong, but he who endures until the end. A lot of times, because it doesn't happen rapidly, we think that we're not making progress. God is not interested in rapid. He says, it's not given to the swift or to the strong, but to the one that endures to the end. And so to the strong, strong doesn't necessarily mean physically, but it might mean somebody who has a lot of resources. It might mean someone who has money and capital and a team and a staff and somebody who just has a lot more equipment to get things done. But God is not interested in the equipment. He's not interested in how quickly you get it done. The race is not given to the one who's the fastest or the strongest, but to the one that endures until the end. So I want to encourage you in 2017 to hang in there. And last but certainly not least for this week, number eight, pray every day. Prayer is a conversation with God, not a restaurant takeout order. God speaks. Give him a chance to respond. A lot of times when we think about prayer, we understand that it's a conversation with God, but conversation is a two-way street. 
And a lot of times we find ourselves on our knees or wherever we pray and we're like, Lord, I need this and Lord, I need that and Lord, heal this person and Lord, heal that person and Lord, I need and Lord, I want and please take away and like God is like some sort of like short order chef, like, okay, ring the bell, order up. Here's your blessings. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Trust me, it does not. And I want to give you guys a couple of scriptures to ground where your prayer life ought to be heading in 2017. And first one comes from John. It says this, John 9 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. I know that sometimes when you are talking to God and the answer doesn't come right away, you start scratching your head and you're wondering, are you listening to me? Did you hear me? Maybe I need to say this again because I didn't get a rapid response. The Bible says we know that God does not listen to sinners. And I want to quantify that God does listen to sinners in regards to a prayer of repentance. So sinners who want to give their life to Christ and accept them into their heart, God does listen to that prayer. But we're talking about people who are not believers. We're talking about people who practice sin, are living in sin, ain't stutting about the Lord. Okay. Says that we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. God is an if then God. He loves us unconditionally, but his blessings do have tags attached to them. Okay. And so part of that tag is one, a worshiper of God, and two, a doer of his will. The Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you listen to this podcast week after week after week and you just hear it, hear it, hear it, but you don't do it, do it, do it. God is not stutting about your prayers. Period, point blank. He's not stutting about your prayers. And 1 John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, key words, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. And so this is a key point. And this is one of those scriptures that gets misappropriated with prosperity churches and name it and claim it and tag it and grab it and jump down, turn around, pick a bale of cotton and you shall have it. Um, no, <laughs> let's let's break this down. The confidence, okay, so I love this word, the confidence that we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, which raises the question, well, what is the will of God? You never have to question what the will of God is. All you have to do is study what the word of God says. If you want to know what the will of God is, study what the word of God says. God tells you explicitly what he wants from you. But just to break it down into simplest and simplest of terms, because I know that sometimes it can get lost in the fog of the Old Testament and the New Testament and this and that and the third. Jesus simplified things. He said two things. He said, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your strength. And number two, Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, upon these two things, everything else falls into that category. And if you think about it, if you really take that into your heart, if I love God with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul and all of my strength, and I love my neighbor, meaning I love my fellow man, just like I love my own self, everything within those two commandments is covered 
everything. So if you want to know what the will of God is, that is the filter that you can run it through. If you are doing something and you're asking for something, ask yourself, does this demonstrate love for God? And does it demonstrate love for my fellow man? Does it demonstrate love for God? Does it demonstrate love for my fellow man? If what you are asking for cannot be run through that filter, chances are it's outside of the will of God. So John says the confidence that we have is that anything that we ask according to his will, he does what he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. God is not a genie in a bottle. It doesn't work that way. And sadly, we've been led to believe that that's what God is for, just to ask him for things when we need them, but then to kind of cast him aside when we don't know Pray every day. God wants to be a part of your life. God desires an intimate personal relationship with you. And this is where your prayer life comes in. I know that in the past I have been guilty of having a crappy prayer life. I'm telling you what I know. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. I used to be that person. Lord, when I need you, I'll call you. If I don't need you, have a nice day. That used to be my attitude. And then God has a way of allowing things to happen in your life to where you're like, okay, maybe we need to talk a little bit more often than when I just need you. And that is how God operates. God, I don't think he does things to us. I believe he just will pull his hand back from us and say, okay, well, if you don't need me, then I'll be over here, (laughs) you know, doing other things and allow things to happen in your life in such a way that you realize that as the Bible says, apart from him, we can do nothing. So pray every day. There is power in prayer. As they say, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. It is one of the most underutilized tools that we have. You guys saw that movie War Room last year. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to watch it because it really just underscores the power of prayer. So that is going to wrap up our episode for this week. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Next week, we're going to finish this series right on out before we go into our winter break and into the new year. If you have questions, comments, takeaways from this podcast, please know you can always hit me up at Dr. Shante Says. And don't forget, I'm still accepting applications for the 12 Faith-Based Coaching Collective. Make sure that you get your application in before the new year. Thank you.